I've been often quoted as saying like, it's not just honest conversations, it's courageous conversations. And that is the antidote to what are you tolerating? You know, it's really, it's time sometimes for people to step up and say, look, maybe that courageous conversation that you need to have is to say, I'm not going to tolerate this any longer. And it's time for me to say the things that needs to be said and be okay with the consequences of that. Hello and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We're here to talk about business, but we want to tackle topics that most business leaders often shy away from. We believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. We're here to have conversations and hear stories about how real people and real businesses operate. And I'm your host, Jeff Ma. I hope you're having a great day. My guest today is the Chief Inspiration Officer of Inspired Purpose Coaching. He spends his time as an advisor, a coach, a speaker, an author, podcast host, all that good stuff to elevate leaders and unlock their true potential. So I'd like to welcome to the show, Tony Martinetti. Hey, Tony, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I don't often just jump right into it, but I need to know what is like, just give me the, the, the high level, what is inspired leadership? I hear that term with some of the stuff I read around you and it's like inspired leadership. And I love the, I love how it sounds, but I want to know, I'm the kind of person who wants to know what is that practically? What is inspired leadership? Yeah. Well, inspired leadership really comes from the, um, this idea that, you know, we want to make sure people aren't just showing up to work and, you know, doing their job based on, you know, what is commanded to them or, you know, directed towards them, but it's really motivating people, connecting with people on a level that is much deeper than just, you know, Hey, here's the job, go do it. It's more about getting them connected to what is inspiring them to move forward, moving mm -hmm. them through a vision, a purpose that is deeper than just on the surface. Here's the job, go do it. Um, so there's a lot to it, but inspiration is really connecting to that deeper purpose, the motivation that's going to drive them forward. Got it. What, what is your, what is your inspiration? What is driving you forward? Yeah, that's a great question. I love that. So for me, my inspiration has always been really seeing what's inside people and getting them to unearth it. I often talk about how, um, there's a painting there's a piece of art waiting inside of each person and it needs to be created. But oftentimes we don't know how to make that happen. And so it takes time for us to unearth it, almost like Michelangelo chipping away at the stone. And so for me, my inspiration is working with people who are starting to see that come to life in those moments, that there's more to life than what they're experiencing. And it's just about chipping away and seeing the masterpiece come to life. Mm, I love that. Mm. I always find that people who really work in like coaching spaces and like helping people spaces, we have our own origin stories of how we even got here. What is your origin story of, of the road that brought you to this type of work? Well, I was born on this other planet. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I was born here. Um, my, my story is really one of being an artist. Um, so that's why I talk a lot about art. Um, 
I, as a child, painted and drew and uh, created a lot of things that had to do with um, environments and rooms and and places that elicited feelings and emotions. Seems really strange for a child to say that that's what they did, but I didn't draw stick figures. I didn't do things that most children did as an artist, but um, that's what really drove me as a child um, is art. Um, and eventually I got to this place where as I was getting into high school and beyond, well, I shouldn't say high school, I was going to go into become an architect. Then I started having these conversations with advisors and, you know, adults in my life. They said, well, you got to do something a little more meaningful. It's going to make a living for yourself. And, um, that's what led me to this path of going to pre-med and becoming a doctor was the, was my initial, um, calling to, to think about doing that path that then pivoted me into this world of business, you know, again, from art to, to science, to business, you know, this, uh, just continuing to find where I ended up gonna, I was going to be. And when I finally entered the workforce as a, you know, full-time professional, I was a finance, um, professional working in companies like, you know, Gillette and, and in high-tech companies eventually. Um, and I landed eventually in the biotech industry, which was nice because I was able to marry up certain parts of who I was, which is the lover of the science piece, but also doing business. So here I am, someone who is a lover of the arts, lands in business, spent most of my career, almost 25 years of my, my career was spent in biotech, and um, on the surface, it's fantastic. I was serving, you know, patients who are mostly in the rare disease space, um, doing finance and strategy. So did a lot of deals, did a lot of work around helping to enable the science, which was awesome. But the reality is I realized that I was trying to be someone who I wasn't really. Mm. Um, and it starts to show up the more and more you venture down your path. Sure. Yeah. So... I was, I was working with, um, with, with a leader recently having a one-on-one -on -one with this person and they were asking me, um, well, I was asking them what, you know, what, we're working towards some goals that we've been working towards together, just discussing them. And one of them is like, what kind of leader do you want to be? And on this person's list was always, I want to be inspiring to others. I want to inspire others. I want to be inspirational. Mm -hmm. And, um, but they came to me and they said, you know, that's, it's a, my struggle is trying to figure out what kind of commitments and things that I can do to be mm -hmm. inspirational. And it was kind of a stumping kind of thing because, and what I said at the time was, you know, let's talk about all these other things that we want to be as a leader, because there's so many other things, because we, we, we talk a lot about behaviors and mindsets and yeah. things like that in our work. And I said, you know, to me, when you get all these things right, you do it consistently, that itself will be inspirational to others is one way I looked at it. But I was really interested in your in getting your take on, because you very much target that inspiration in people and you're looking for, you know, mm. you, you're, you're titled chief inspiration officer. It's like, can you help me put some tangibility around inspiration? Like, how do you yeah. quantify it? How do you find it? How do you draw it out? Yeah, there's one thing about this, which is you can't fake, you can't fake it. You have to, it has to be real for people to really experience it. There's um, the way that I often think about um, finding inspiration and being inspiring is you have to be inspired first. 
if you're not inspired, if you're not lit up inside, if you haven't done the, the work internally to find your inspiration, then you can't radiate that outside. So that's the starting point. It starts from within. And what I often say is, you know, you have to make sure that you are looking for those clues throughout your life. What are the things that are um, inspiring to me? And am I, and are they in my work? If I'm trying to do work that doesn't inspire me, then it's hard for me to be the inspiring leader. Um, if you're doing work that inspires you and you're not, and you're not talking about it, you're not communicating it then that's something that can be broken through because that's easier. It's like almost like you're bottling up something that you just need to let go. Um, but if you're doing, if you're not connected with who you really want to be, then it's time to start doing that exploration work and saying like, what is it that truly lights me up? What is it that gives me joy? What gives me that feeling of connection to something that is bigger than myself? Mm -hmm. um, and when you do find that, then you need to start looking at the, you know, the ways you can bring that to life. Very cool. Um, can you give an example, I guess, of, yeah. of, of what that looks like in, 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 in a leader? Oh, absolutely. So first and foremost, I mean, one of the biggest things that I, uh, you know, that I've seen in people is um, this idea that like you, I see people who are accomplished. They've done a lot of great things in their lives. And they come to me and they're often stuck. They feel like, gosh, like, I don't feel like, I feel like something's missing. Um, so I've had leaders come to me. Um, I, I don't want to use the finance example because I think that's pretty, um, you know, not stale, but it's pretty common. Um, but I've had people come to me who were working in the space of like doing um, sales, you know, sales and in, sales inside of the biotech space. And they've realized that, like, God, this has been great in terms of, you know, it's been rewarding. It's been a great, a great field for me, but I feel like this is not what I want to do any longer. And I need to figure out the next path for me, especially because there's been a lot of changes in the industry. So when I talk with someone like that, they, the first thing I get to realize is what have been the things that you, in your past that have really given you joy that have really kind of you've connected with. Um, as they go in the past, I start to uncover who they are, you know, really understanding what it is that made them who they are. And then I get them to think about their future. So it's kind of like a time traveling exercise of really looking into the future and saying, okay, well, you know, your past career has been in this biotech sales. What would you do if you could just start from right now um, based on what you've already learned about your past? What would you do if you could just start right now and, you know, don't worry about the, the, the potential hurdles in the way. And this person started dreaming about this next endeavor that didn't include necessarily being in biotech at all. Mm -hmm. It actually was more along the lines of working in an innovative space and being more of a strategy person who's working in innovation. Um, initially though, the, the thoughts are, oh, I can't do that. I don't have the, the knowledge base. I, I can't do that. But if you start there, you're never going to make that, that process work. You have to get, you have to dream first. And then the next step that I did with this person is really get them to concrete steps to the now. What can we do now to make those steps to bridge the gap from where you are doing biotech sales to who can you talk to? 
What can you learn? What are the things you can do to pivot into that next field and make that move into that career that you really want? Now, keep in mind, this is just an example of a person who was able to really connect with a different field and make that move and it was successful. But ultimately, um, this can just be a, a, a small shift. Like it doesn't have to be like leaving your job or even leaving your field. It might just mean simply looking at your job from a different angle and mm. realizing that you're missing certain parts of your job that could be even better by connecting to that, that inspiration, connecting to that thing you've been missing. Yeah, I think um, a lot of what I'm often talking about is that I, I personally believe that if you tie too much of your motivation, passion, inspiration to just solely the work itself, yeah. I think you're bound to get a little burnt out or bound to get a little jaded or disappointed at times. Um, so much of what we often talk about is being able to find the passion, inspiration and the people around you as well. And the people you get to work with and the people you build connections with, whether it's team members or even customers and other things, mm -hmm. because then you're able to be inspired kind of in a, to me, a more sustainable way, right? You're more sustainably inspired consistently because your job is unfortunately often going to be like at its very core kind of functionally the same thing over and over um, in a lot of ways. And it's easy to lose that inspiration and passion. Do you, do you feel that way at all um, in what you, in what you teach yeah. and what you work with? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a strong believer in our environment shaping us and um, in good ways and bad. Um, so it's important to make sure we're checking in to say, Gosh, like how, how have I let this environment like keep me in place? And now I feel like stagnant because it's just, it's become almost um, unrecognizable that it's, uh, it's holding me in place and, and keeping me almost feeling unfulfilled. But if I just make one small change, then um, I can start to move in a different way. I can start to see things in a different way. Um, one of my favorite sayings I, I tell people during coaching sessions is, you know, expand your vision, narrow your focus, which is really all about, you know, stepping away, like zooming out um, from your situation, see what else is possible so that you don't feel that myopic view of this is the way it is. This is how my world is, is, um, is meant to be so that I can see possibilities. And then once you've seen possibilities, then narrowing your focus down so that you can then operate in a way that says this next step is going to be based on this, you know, what I've seen as my next um, uh, focus area. Um, even if it's wrong, mm -hmm. it's my, what I've decided to be focused on. Anything else that's outside of that periphery is at this point, not part of my focus. That makes a lot of sense. Expand your vision, narrow your focus. I love that makes a yeah. whole lot of sense. Uh, let me ask about love for a little bit. You came on yes. a show called Love as a Business Strategy. What is what is your, how does that fit into your algorithm? What is What does love mean to you in the context of, of business and, and work? Yeah, I, well, I'm going to say I love the fact that you're bringing this up because I think it's important that we um, talk about this. Um, love, not as in the, you know, more kind of, you know, 
the the sexual love, if you will, that sure. we often think about. But we we have to love the people around us. We have to love the the work. It you know call, kind of fall in love with the idea of what we're doing because when we create that connection with the work, you know, you're willing to kind of put your efforts into it and and see things through, you know, and you have this this feeling of compassion for the people around you. So that's the part of love that I really see often for me is important, especially in times when things are challenging. Um, you know, there's a, a challenging part of which is sometimes people say like, well, my company's like a family. Well, that's not necessarily the way we should be looking at this. It's about treating your people with absolute compassion that you care about them, that you want the best for them. But you want to make sure that you are also keeping that distance, just enough distance to say, I'm okay to let go of people when I need to. You're okay because that's going to serve them. Yeah. yeah. I, I've, we, in times past, we, myself and our organization also fell into the trap of, um, we're, we're family because we're all, we've always believed in this, but like the, the words matter. And I think we talked about family, mm -hmm. but when you really think about family, um, you have like that crazy uncle that nobody wants to talk yeah. about. Uh, we have that Bruno in our lives, if you will. <laughs> um, and you have family that's just like, that you just really don't like, but you put up with because they're family. Mm -hmm. And that's not really what you want for the workplace. Um, so hundred percent love that you, you went there because I think, that's even a red flag, I think, when you when you look at cultures that kind of frame themselves that way, because it's 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 different. It's definitely meant to be different, and I think um, that kind of love is often misconstrued. I think we get that a lot with love as a business strategy, being like, "Oh, are we just all talking about just holding hands and kumbaya and everything's happy?" And are actually it's the literal opposite. It's actually more about um, accountability and more about raw and uncomfortable conversations um, because if you look at your own life the people you truly love are the ones that you're going to kind of do the hard thing and tell yeah. them hey that we need help <laughs> you need you know um, you need to hear something that you don't want to hear and I'm going to be the yeah. one to tell you because I love you so um, mm. so yeah I think that I'm curious to get to that point in, in those that you work with, that you coach or, or advise, um, yeah. what, what are the tangible changes you're trying to bring about in people? I think I've seen it approached in so many different ways. I think mm. we're all trying to get to the same result, but a lot of what I've heard from you so far is like really finding that passion, finding your, your place. And sometimes, you know, if you are just looking at a high level, it just means you're in the wrong job or you're, yeah. You change companies. And what about the people that are kind of, you know, the realists in the audience right now that are kind of like, well, no, like, you know, there's things I like, there's things I don't like, but you know, how do I, how do you help them find, you know, get started down that path? Yeah. And I, I love that you mentioned this. First of all, I'm going to start by saying one of the, um, the, the best ways I describe the coaching process and the best way of leading in my mind, and that's, you know, personal because every person's way of leading is different, but I, I like to think of it as compassionate accountability. And it's a, it's two ends of a spectrum. You know, you, you care deeply 
for people, but you also hold them accountable to actions and results that are going to move them to their edge to, to learn and grow. Um, so when I'm coaching with people, I really want to make sure that when people are coming into my world, that they understand that I'm going to care about them. I'm going to get their brilliance out of them. But I also want to make sure that they're going to, they're going to lean into that discomfort, that they're going to realize that sometimes I'm going to hold them accountable because it's in service of them. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's part of the process, but for the people who come into the, into the conversation, and I say into the conversation because they may not be a coach, you know, part of a, a, um, the, maybe a a client yet. Um, the first start of this is to really understand, you know, where are they, what are they tolerating their lives that is not really helping them to move forward or to be more productive or be more effective. And I say that in a language that sometimes people can understand tolerating, we tolerate a lot of things from the people who, who work for us and work with us. We tolerate toxic, toxic behavior. We tolerate people, you know, taking advantage of us. So if you're tolerating all of that, it's really on you to make sure you stand up and say, and I don't want that anymore. I don't want to tolerate things that are not serving me, not, mm-hmm. not for my betterment. So part of that is to say, well, how can we change that? How can we change that in the coaching process? How we, can we create something different for you that allows you to take control of your situation? So hopefully that answers your question, but I think that's yes. what I heard you is I really want to make sure people see that the power of this is to say that if you tolerate things, then you get more of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I love that. I think I love the way you frame that the concept of this tolerating is so key from what, from what you're saying, because um, what I tie that directly to and what I'm hearing is that people aren't being authentic right? When they come into their workplace and all they're doing, like the more you have to tolerate, the more you have to be something you're not because, you know, the very definition of tolerating is like, you don't like it, um, but you're going to put up with it. So you have to literally be someone else um, to to handle that. And I feel like Mm. so much of what we come across with in toxic workplaces, isn't this over? I mean, yes, there are places where people just yell and scream and create that, that malice. But I find more often that the, the modern day toxic workplace is very nice. It's very, 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 very nice. And everybody's like just in harmony with everybody, just smiling and waving and best friends and getting drinks after work. And it's easy to be like, oh, one of the best places to work in 2000, whatever, like, great. Yeah. Um, and then when you really just dig under the layer, nobody's being themselves because everyone has just built up this entire they're just really good at at tolerating they're really good at being someone else that they just create this ecosystem of people being super fake um all the time and there's this unseen side of toxicity that i think is in the workplace that people don't realize like people are just sitting knee deep in in toxic cultures and when you point it out to them they're finally like oh yeah yeah it really sucks (laughs) yeah I kind of want to, I want to take this to one step further because this is one of the things that is really important to me. I, my tagline for my business is inspiration through honest conversation. And, um, you know, honest conversations, not just ones you have with other people, but sometimes the one that's most important is the one you have with yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I've been often 
quoted as saying, like, it's not just honest conversations, it's courageous conversations. And that is the antidote to what are you tolerating? You know, it's really, it's time sometimes for people to step up and say, look, maybe that courageous conversation that you need to have is to say, I'm not going to tolerate this any longer. And it's time for me to say the things that needs to be said and be okay with the consequences of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our tagline for that exact same thought is um, honesty over harmony, yeah. which is, which is we, in any given situation, we are just, every human is driven to try to find harmony. So yes. you say something I don't like, I'll be like, oh, okay. And I'll just push it deep down and be like, okay, moving on to the next thing, the agenda, just got to get to this meeting. And uh, I've, I've just built up real resentment for you, but let's stay harmonious <laughs> and not bring it up. And, and it's the heart. I love it. Your courageous conversation is absolutely, I'm a hundred percent on board with that. I think that's absolutely key. I love it. I love it. Um, I wanted to, um, talk a little bit about you and your work as well. I know you, you wrote a book, um, you have podcast. Can you talk a little bit about how people can hear more from you? Sure. So, um, I'll start with the, the book, I guess is, um, the good starting point. So my book is called climbing the right mountain. And it is a book I published in 2020, uh, last year. feels like an eternity ago. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I feel you. Um, but uh, the book really came from this idea of, um, you know, the, the conversations I was having with a lot of people I talked to were, you know, gosh, I don't know if I'm on the right path. Like, and then when I got to this, this place in my career, and it sounds very familiar from my story, is that, you know, you get to this place where you've worked really hard. And then you're like, do I like who I've become? Mm-hmm. Um, and so as I heard these stories and I you know, reflected on my own story, I said, I think it's time for me to write this book to help other people to check in with themselves and say, you know, gosh, if I want to feel fulfilled, if I want to make sure that I'm doing the things for the right reasons, maybe it's time for me to check what path I'm on to ensure that I'm climbing the right mountain for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's never too late. Um, And it's never, it's not a call to, you know, have everyone leave their jobs. It's again, a chance for us to really check to see if our definition of success is defined by us and not by somebody else. So I I think that that is an important part of this. And it does, it does help that I love mountains. I mean, in fact, I'm climbing Kilimanjaro in, uh, in August. Oh my. Yes. Well, good luck. Thank you. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. What about the podcast? Yeah, and the podcast, um, it's called The Virtual Campfire. And you can find it on any podcasting channels you listen to, whatever you, uh, wherever you find podcasts. Also available on my website. Um, the Virtual Campfire came from this idea that I wanted to share people's stories of transformation. You know, oftentimes you see these amazing people who are, you know, knocking you out of the park in life. <laughs> but their journey to getting there um, is filled with so many ups and downs uh, and transition points. And I actually help them share their story so that others can hear that, you know, what were the, what I call flashpoints, the points in your journey that have ignited your gifts into the world so that others who are going on that same path or in their own path can understand what were the things that they had to do to really shift themselves along that journey. Um, I've been witness to some amazing stories and I'm honored and really blessed to be part of that, um, you know, to be able to 
be witness to that. Let's put it that way. I love that. I, I, I mean, that's, that's one of the missions for this show itself is mm. sharing stories is so important. We live in a world where it's so easy to see just the, 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 the small percentage of people who are on top, just yeah. seeing the results that have been successful and and we don't enough see like the the real work struggle change transformation that it requires along the way to achieve the the, the middle milestones and all those things i think that's such an amazing opportunity I'm, I'm jealous of all the stories that i'm sure you've already heard i'm, I'm gonna go check it out <laughs> for sure but also yeah. on that note i want to thank you for being here today and sharing your story and sharing your inspiration it has been a really good conversation around um, just how people should be thinking about kind of reframing their environment a little bit, looking at how they look at um, what drives them and if they're finding that inspiration in themselves yet. So I really appreciate you taking the time, Tony. Of course, it's been my pleasure. Uh, truly enjoyed the conversation and, you know, everything has been really, um, it's been a great journey for me and I've loved watching the show here. So thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners. As always, we are releasing on time every week for you. If you like it, let us know. If you don't, we'll also take it. Please let us know. Uh, but check out the book, Love is a Business Strategy, still available everywhere. And um, if you haven't subscribed and rated us, please, we would love that. And uh, with that, Tony, thank you again. I've had a really good conversation. We'll see everyone else next week.